and welcome to another episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I am your host, David the Skeptic, and I'm joined by Brian, with a Y, also the Skeptic. Hi, Brian. How you doing? David, how are you doing this morning? Never better. Never better. How did this happen? How did this happen that we ended up on the mic together? Two Skeptics. Isn't this supposed to be Skeptics and Seekers? Not Skeptics and Skeptics? That was that was what my understanding, but uh, I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to step in, uh, as I understand it. Uh, I think it was me pestering you privately over email that got me here. So I'm happy I, I that feel that like worked. I've been thrown into a same-sex relationship, and I, <laughs> and I, I wasn't prepared. I um, not not that there's anything wrong with that, but I mean you sh- you should realize what kind of bar you're going in before you go. Uh, so uh, today, folks, you just entered the skeptics and skeptics bar. Howdy. <laughs> and um, we've got a conversation that is actually uh, one of those conversations that should be had between skeptics and skeptics, between seekers and seekers, between skeptics and seekers. It's one of those, dare I say, androgynous conversations. Uh, and I think that it, it, it's rich no matter how you have it. I plan to have it uh, again this season uh, with a Christian, if I can get the scheduling uh, right, I was actually planning on having this conversation uh, with a guest that we just, <clears throat> excuse me, couldn't schedule. It was a Christian guest. Uh, turns out, works just as well, uh, no matter who you have it. And so I'm glad to introduce Brian with a Y. That's Brian with a Y, uh, possibly yes. the official lay skeptic. I'm not sure who was the first to be called that. Um the, the, I will, uh, I will, David. I just want to say, I will wear lay skeptic as a badge of honor. I'm okay. happy to do it. <laughs> Brian, Brian, with a with a Y, the uh, the original lay skeptic. No disrespect to Darren, in case it was you. We'll have to yeah, get you on might, the show, Darren. Might, I don't know. He, he might have beat me by a post or two with the lay skeptic <laughs> moniker, but like I said, I'm happy to be that guy. Honestly, I think I was the first one to be called lay skeptic. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 hard to say. Um, hey, I'm uh, I'm I, uh, I'm sorry to say this, but it's uh, it, it's kind of too easy when you get uh, tabbed as a lay skeptic by a, a lay Christian, right? Well, so it's kind of <laughs> easy to do the I'm, I'm rubber, your glue defense. That made it easy. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose. I uh, I always did take it kind of as a badge of honor too, even though it pissed me off. It's still a badge of honor. Yes, exactly. Which it's all about the context. It, it is. And so uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, the conversation, the big conversation, the conversation with a capital C, the conversation uh, between skeptics and seekers, the conversation between uh, atheists and Christians, between believers and non-believers, not this conversation that we're having particularly, but the grand conversation that we are all having socially, nationally, globally the conversation uh, there's some questions about the conversation um so those questions uh maybe are we are we having it the right way uh should we be having it at all is it is it doing any good or is it doing more harm than good uh should, why are why are atheists even in this conversation maybe we should just take our ball and go home um so there's a lot to talk about uh, believe it or not, and so we're gonna we're gonna see if we can't tease some of this out. I am going to go ahead and make a uh, my usual opening statement, but I'm not gonna make it that long. Uh, Brian, you can, uh, if you like, put together a few of your own thoughts, and I will give you as many as uh, uh, as many minutes as you like uh, to 
make your uh, statement. But I'm gonna I'm gonna start uh, basically following uh, the blog that I wrote. Uh, so if you haven't read it, go back and read it. <clears throat> it was pretty good, I think. <laughs> it's <was> okay. <laughs> so. Um, I want to start with the truest reason why I'm in the conversation, because I get asked this a lot, uh, a lot. Why, why are you doing this? Uh, usually I get asked this by Christians uh, after we've had some kind of debate or after they've you know, read some of my writing. Why are you doing this? What do you get out of this? Why, why are you bothering us is, is kind of the question. Why don't, why, why don't you just let us have our thing and, uh, and you go away and do your own thing? It's probably a pretty good question. Uh, to be sure. And uh, so I want to talk about that a little bit. And even though I have some reasons that I think are pretty good reasons, I just want to give you the truest reason first. The truest reason is I was baptized at age seven. Uh, I feel like I was born with a Bible in my hand, and I was not the kid who just had a Bible in his hand. I was the one reading the Bible. I was not just reading the Bible, but other books by other people who read the Bible. I was reading Bible commentaries. My favorite birthday or Christmas gift was uh, something like a Strong's Concordance or a Greek lexicon uh, or something like that and a briefcase to carry it in because I carried my books around with me. I was that guy. Yes, I was that guy, and I embraced it. Um, that was me. And uh, I, I grew up that way uh, in the church, not going to tell my whole story, but I did that for a good, oh, 33 years. Uh, you don't just walk away from that just because you stop believing in that God. It's, it's the one thing that I am truly knowledgeable about, the one thing that I'm truly great at. You know, a pretty good musician, pretty good producer, uh, pretty good... Uh, writer, pretty good salesman, reasonable communicator, but I'm a great apologist slash counter apologist. It, it's it's the thing that I've put in ten thousand hours and more. I I know it well, um, and so I can't. Uh, I simply can't stop. I tried to stop. I I stopped for about ten minutes, <laughs> and then I was back. So I uh, I don't think that I can walk away. I can't live my life satisfactorily and not scratch this particular itch. To, to just set aside the thing that I was born to be, that I was made to be. It, it is what I am, and it's going to be what I am until I die. So that's the truest reason why I'm in the conversation. I... Um, I can't help it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and maybe you say, well, that's an addiction. Okay, well, I don't want to cure. It, it is simply what I am. But while that is the truest uh, reason, it's not the only reason, and it may not be the best reason uh, why I'm in the conversation. So I'm in the conversation. Uh, we can talk about uh, the details of this more, but I'm in the conversation because I believe that it has, uh, the conversation has social consequences. Social and, and, and legal consequences. There are um, there are there are things that simply would go a different way if if we were not having the grand debate on the grand stage. Uh, I, I think that there are trends that we must fight against, must push against, must work against. Uh, things that have um, existed for a long time that we must work to reverse, and we simply cannot do that as 
purely um, he, secular humanists. We have to take on counter-apologetics to do this. Because we didn't get here with just bad instances of humanism. We got here through religion and indoctrination over centuries. And, and you can't just ignore that when you're trying to reverse the effects. So that's, that's certainly a part of it. Um, some, of the, some of the social ills uh, that need to be corrected, uh, that, have, uh, that have needed to be corrected over time, uh, you know, we can, we can talk about slavery. Uh, and one could argue that we would have had slavery with or without religion, and I think that that's true. But I believe that uh, slavery would have ended a lot sooner all over the world had it not been for religion. I don't know how much debate there is about that. I think that a lot of Christians would debate that. I'll, I'll be glad to see you uh, on the discussion board, skepticsandseekers.wordpress.com. Send me an email, skepticsandseekers at gmail.com. Uh, I think that things like slavery would have ended sooner. Uh, another example, uh, male privilege uh, is a thing that we are still fighting with today. And I think that we have things like the Me Too movement because of uh, male privilege uh, run amok. And I believe that we would have always had male privilege without religion. That is true. But I think that we would have had less of it and it would have died sooner had it not been uh, for, the, for the influence uh, of religion. And then uh, things like homosexuality and uh, uh, sexual identity, gender rights, that sort of thing. Um, we don't need to spend too much uh, time talking about that. I think um, a second reason why we need to have the conversation is because uh, we need to guarantee a more secular government. So this is not a Christian nation, and I don't believe that Christianity is at the heart of much of what America does. However, However, we do have an overwhelmingly Christian population. And even from our foundations, there were many Christian influences, even as we were attempting to put together a secular government. And so we have, if not a Christian nation, a Christian-influenced nation. And I think that in order to walk away from that, to move toward a more secular, uh, more pluralistic government, we can't just promote positive secularism. We have to attack the thing that is holding us back from it. We have to, we have to address the thing that's influencing us, influencing us in, in the other direction. Uh, and so I think it's rather naive to think that we can have the conversation of a secular government without addressing the reality of the religion that infects our government today. Thirdly, um, I'm in the conversation to increase our knowledge and mastery of the universe. Uh, I'm a little bit of a sci-fi freak. We probably all are a little bit because we're all internet geeks. Uh, you're listening to me on a podcast for Pete's sake. Uh, so, yeah, we all, we all are probably a little bit that way. We're never going to fly the Starship Enterprise uh, while we're quoting the book of Psalms uh, and using it to hold back things like stem cell research. That these are these are just incompatible things. We do not have a future if if the Bible is the thing that's going to lead us into it. 
so the fourth thing, not on my notes, but as I was talking to uh, Andrew a little bit earlier today, uh, he gave me a fourth reason and probably uh, the best reason out of, out of all of the reasons. Sometimes we simply cannot avoid the conversation. So even if you want to avoid it, and I know that people uh, are out there who want to avoid it. Andrew, uh, uh, my often co-host and partner with Reason Press, uh, is one of those people who would love to avoid the conversation. Uh, I left the South. I, I live in the Northeast now. I'm a, I'm a New York uh, person. Love it. Uh, Andrew is still in the South, and he's raising a kid in the South. And um, he has Christian-slash-preacher uh, in-laws and relatives, and he's around it all the time. And there are people like uh, Andrew who would like to raise a secular child, but their society simply won't allow them to do it. And they have to fight the fight, the battle with the in-laws and the schools and all the time to take out the undue religious influences and raise their children in a secular manner. They can't get out of the conversation. They can't get out. They have to have it. Uh, and so I, I think for those four reasons, we don't, we don't even get to talk about should we be in the conversation. We have to be in the conversation. If, if, if we have goals um, to uh, correct some of the social ills, to have a more secular uh, government, to gain better mastery over the future... Uh, in just control over our own uh, destinies and the destinies of our children, we have to be in the conversation. And I think from that point, it's just a matter of how we conduct it. But I will, I will pause there and uh, hand it over to my interlocutor, Brian, with a Y, lay skeptic. The mic is yours. Thank you very much, David. Uh Sorry to say that I, I happen to agree with a lot of what you just said, so it's going to make for a really boring podcast, I think. But uh, one thing I can do here is start by talking about something that I know a lot about, uh, which is me. Uh, my, uh, my background, just to give you some, some idea of where I'm coming from, uh, I was uh, raised in a Christian home. Uh, I probably said the sinner's prayer when I was seven or eight and got saved. I went to church. I went to uh, Bible camp. I was in the youth group. I eventually became a youth leader. Uh, I was a pretty standard Christian, pretty involved, uh, definitely only went to church because I was dragged there because I think I was just a pretty typical kid, uh, but I was definitely a Christian. I was definitely in uh, with both feet. Um, when I went away to college, I interacted with more atheists than I did before that, uh, and I remember having those debates and um, thinking they didn't, they didn't really move me off my position very much, but they definitely planted some seeds. I definitely learned some things that I hadn't heard before, definitely encountered some people that I hadn't encountered before. Um, it was probably around when I turned 30, uh, just to try to date myself here a little bit. You can guess how much older than 30 I am at this point. But, um, 32. I, <laughs> see, flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> um, uh, and it's not really true. But um, yeah, when I, when I got to about that age, I just, I just kind of had a personal epiphany that a lot of the things I believed – I believed because that's what I was brought up to believe. That's what I was taught. Uh, and if I was going to be a, you know, upstanding, uh, independent adult, I needed to make sure that what I believed were for good reasons and for the reasons that, that I believed in and that I had uh, instead of what uh, people had given to me. So I did some research. I started reading, started listening. Uh, and, and I was really, really surprised to find 
how little support and little factual objective uh, evidence there was uh, for the central claims of Christianity. Um, it, it really became clear to me that it was more like an ethos than it was historical uh, or, or real, uh, for lack of a better word. So I kind of I kind of was at a crossroads and I wasn't sure how to how to move forward. So what I really did was I, I started participating in online forums and, and I kind of wore this skeptic atheist persona while I was online just to try it on, see what it was like. Uh, and it, it really was that uh, activity that that really got me to where I am today. I, the more I did it, the more I realized that, yeah, this was kind of what I believed and the way I was. I really didn't believe the things that I had been brought up to believe. I really didn't think they were defendable. Uh, so I basically became a, a, an atheist at that point. Um, and uh, at this point in my in my life, I'm, I'm not I'm not in the closet as an atheist, but uh, my family are very very Christian, very evangelical, uh, and uh, at risk of breaking their hearts, I, I just haven't volunteered this information to them. Uh, it's, it's kind of been a don't ask, don't tell situation. Uh, the questions about do we go to church, do we do uh, Christian activities has kind of waned over the years. I wouldn't be surprised if they suspect, but it's kind of something no one wants to talk about uh, uh, directly. So I'm happy to do that. There's no reason to upset people for no reason, but I'm pretty sure that if I were asked directly, I would answer honestly with what with what's what. Um, that story sets up kind of why I'm here. Um, obviously, I kind of got here through this online debating and, and forums. Uh, and I think it's important for people that were former Christians to be in this conversation. Uh, when I was a Christian, I didn't know people like me existed, really. I thought they were few and far between and they were really unreasonable. And I came to learn that it was the exact opposite. There's a lot. Uh, and they're, uh, they have good reasons for believing what they believe. Uh, so I'm kind of in a pay it forward mode where I want to do for me, uh, do for others what others had done for me uh, and to be out here uh, having these conversations. Uh, Sam Harris is one of my favorite listens, one of my favorite reads. Uh, and he always, always says that conversation is really the only option we have uh, when the alternatives are violence uh, and fascism and shutting people down, uh, conversation is really the only good way forward. Uh, so I agree with that, and I'm going to pick up my my torch, and I'm going to I'm going to go forward with that. Uh, so that's why I'm here. Okay. Um, so yeah, Sam Harris, uh, what you what you picked up there is a lightning rod. <laughs> a, I know I knew you were reaching for the torch, <laughs> <laughs> but I but I grabbed electricity. You so. did. Um, yeah. C- cut the cut the black wire not the red one um <laughs> so yeah uh look I, I i agree with sam harris there too i like sam uh i liked sam before i knew he was a lightning rod so uh, <laughs> I, I liked sam harris uh before it was cool and then not cool <laughs> so I, i'm i'm trying to avoid whether cool or not is important so i'm still i'm still a fan so i move forward <laughs> Yeah, he's uh look, I here's the thing. I like Sam Harris even when I disagree with him. Um mm-hmm. and so I I definitely have times when I disagree with him, but he's one of those people and I've got a few people like this in my life where I know that they are so much smarter than me that uh even even talking to them and debating them uh I I realize I could never win. Um I still think I'm right, <laughs> but I couldn't prove it. Um, so Val on the boards is a person like that. I like to I like to argue with Val 
about something at least once a year. Um, one day I'm going to win. <laughs> <laughs> it has not happened yet. Uh, so Sam Harris. Is- I was just going to say, let me let me echo the sentiment. I think Val is one of the best posters I've seen over at Unbelievable and uh, on these boards. I hope he gets in there more. Uh, Val, if you're listening, we want you in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm a fanboy, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's so Sam is like that for me. I know that um, you know even even when he's saying something that I think is not quite right. It's not stupid. So he's he's often, I say often, he's sometimes wrong, but he's never stupid. Exactly. And um, he, I, I love his commitment to the conversation. So I don't know if uh, you ever listened to his podcast. Um, I, think it's, I think he's calling it Waking Up uh, these days. Um, or uh, Actually, let, making, actually making, let me, sense. Let, making sense. The yeah. Waking Up is the meditation stuff, which, yes. by the way, is excellent. I, I am a supporter of meditation. I would recommend it to everybody. Yeah, so I am, I am not. This is one of these places where I... <laughs> I just can't follow Sam, and it's not like I haven't tried. I've I've tried some, you know, some Sam Harris directed meditation, and it sounds great. I mean, it it's it's good. Uh, you know, Sam whispering things in your ear. It's very intimate. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the dulcet tones of Sam Sam Harris. Yeah, it just for better time. It just doesn't take me anywhere. So. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 th- I think some of the claims he makes about it are a little, are a little uh, excessive. I think he thinks it does more than it does. Uh, but I think it, at the very least, I think it just gets you starting, you know, shutting down the motor a little bit and, and, and turning the focus inward instead of all this crazy stuff going on around us. You know, the thing is, though, I, I think part of the problem with med- meditation, I know this is not our topic. We'll, we'll swerve <laughs> back on topic eventually. Um, I think part of the problem with meditation for me is that I don't, I don't want um, how do I put this? I don't. I don't want to alter my consciousness. Uh, I don't want to improve. I don't want to improve my consciousness. I don't want a higher state of consciousness. Um, you know, I'm sure that what he says is true about certain types of drugs, but I don't actually want a better state of consciousness because, in in some sense, that better state wouldn't be me anymore. Uh, it would be something else, someone else. Um, I don't want to be a better person. I want to be me. <laughs> and so um, I, I, I know that kind of sounds funny to the ear uh, a little bit, but let's say um, let's say something has happened and I'm, I'm really upset. Uh, and someone comes along and tries to make me feel less upset. I don't want to feel less upset. I'm upset because something upsetting happened. I should feel upset. It hurts. Um, it, it's annoying that, that I feel this way, but to avoid feeling that way would be to avoid, uh, avoid a, an essential part of humanity. Um, this is who I am at this moment. I am a person who's very upset, and I don't want to be something else. Now, I suppose if you say, well, but your being upset is now causing you to miss out on other parts of your life or damage you in some other way, I, I would listen to that. But being upset in and of itself is not a problem for me. And so I don't, I don't really have anything in my psyche that, I, that I'm consciously aware of that I want to fix. So I don't, I don't want to meditate my way out of it. I'm, I'm fine with the noise in my head. 
Yeah, I think I think that's valid. And and again, like I said, I think I think the idea is is you don't have to be upset for a moment longer than you have to. So yeah, you you if you have a right to be upset uh, because something happened that that is worthy of it, then yeah, be upset. But you don't have to be upset for a week. You don't have to be upset for even an hour if it's if if twenty minutes will get the job done, right? You know, the idea is is these things going on in your head can be adjusted if you just took the time to realize that you know you're having the most boring conversation with yourself in your head and and you can alter that conversation in the next moment if you need to or want to. Yeah, well, I I think that there are lots of ways that people do that naturally, though. I mean, a lot of people uh, obsess over... I'm I'm about to lose half my audience here. (laughs) So I'm sorry that I'm about to lose half of my audience on the show that you're on before we even get to the topic. But... Um, I'll try to I'll try to be at least one person paying attention. So okay. go ahead. So uh, video games. I think that video games are an uh, utter waste of time. I think they are <laughs> a waste of brain power. And uh, you know, you geeks ought to get a freaking life. Uh, put, <laughs> put down the destiny or whatever the crap is you're wasting your uh, world away in. Um, and even as I say this, I am playing a video game <laughs> because I multitask. <laughs> and so when I am. T- here, little inside baseball people. When I'm talking on the podcast, I am always either reading my notes or playing a game. And the game that I play when I podcast is um, Spite and Malice, uh, which is a kind of a form of something called Skipbo. Uh, so, so, anyway. It sounds, it sounds like light reading. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's not a that's not really what I mean by video games. Um, I'm not a hypocrite. Shut up. Um, so, but I think that people often use things like video games uh, to to do exactly what you were talking about there to alter their state. Uh, you know, because you're right. You don't have to be upset one minute longer than you want to be. Uh, and so, people use a lot lots of things to escape from one mood to another or from one state to another. I tend not to do that as much. I, I recognize my states. Um, I, I get it. Um, I, when I'm upset, I want to be upset. Uh, and I don't want to escape that. And when I'm happy, I want to be happy. I don't want to escape that. And when I'm feeling uh, amorous, I want to feel amorous. I don't want to escape that. Um, and so I, I guess maybe I feel like I have a, a kind of an emotional balance. That, and I could be self-deceived on that. I may not have the right emotional balance. But who's to tell me that I don't have the right emotional balance? And, and then to say, well, what you need to do is meditate so that you can have this different balance. I don't know who, who would be qualified to say that. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, again, maybe the idea is, is it's, it's yourself and you need to have that conversation with yourself to make sure that your balance is right. Uh, but again, you know, if, if we're, let's not stay here too long, but yeah, just, just listening to Sam's voice is worth doing anyway. So it please really download is. the app. Yeah. I want to, I no. want to get, I want to get my advertising points, download the app, you know, subscribe online, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. And, and I think the only reason I jumped into this was to say Sam Harris, his ideas about the conversation are, um, are worthy, whether you like Sam or not. Sam Harris is a person who will have a conversation with anybody. He will have yeah. a conversation with people that I would not be in the same room with. Exactly. And, and, and what I like most about him, and, and he does have his blind spots, he does get into kind of cul-de-sacs of reasoning, but he is someone that I think is dedicated to the process. He's not so worried about the end belief, de- defending his belief, 
defending his position. He wants to do the right process. And if that means staying where he is, then he stays where he is. If it means changing his mind, he changes his mind. Uh, and I think, I think the process is even more important than the end game because the only way to maximize the chance you're going to get to the right end game is by using a good process. I, I agree. And I would also throw in another one of my conversational heroes, Richard Dawkins. Uh, mm-hmm. Once again, I don't actually care whether you agree with him or not. You should admire Richard Dawkins because he will have a conversation with uh, literally anybody. <laughs> he will, yeah. if, he, if he's got the time, he'll do it. He will have a conversation with people who he knows is going to abuse him for, for 20 minutes. Um, but he, he, like Sam, believes in the process. Um, and he's, you know, I've not observed that, you know, he's too good for anybody. He, he believes in the conversation. And so I, I want to be that person. I'm not that person yet. But anyway, let me, um, let me let uh, you move forward. We have, um, we've had our little digression. Uh, let's, let's talk about <laughs> the conversation. How's the conversation going in your opinion? Um, tell me, tell me how you would frame the conversation as it exists right now. Um, that's a good question. I think I got to be honest. I'm a little, I'm a little cynical at this point in time about the conversation. I think, I think the internet was humongous for atheists to get out there, to be, to, to kind of show themselves, to kind of show the world what was going on. And for people who are interested in that to find them. And, and I think it was a heavy, heavy advantage, uh, for, uh, skeptics and atheists, uh, when the internet was first really booming. Uh, because you could kind of get out from underneath your religious teachers, your parents, well, whatever schooling or church you were in, uh, and kind of see a different point of view. Uh, but I feel like it's I feel like it's tipping backwards uh, because I think the internet also allows for you know the the most extreme, the most loud and vociferous to kind of get together and form their own little tribes and their own little bubbles and just commiserate with each other and and point fingers over at the the dirty rotten evil other on the other side, uh, in either direction. Uh, so I'm, 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 I feel like we're in a little bit of a, of a kind of a war right now where it's us versus them. It's pole versus pole. Uh, and the, the kind of reasonable moderate middle is, is really losing its grip in the conversation. And that's something I'd like to see grow as we move forward. Uh, and I'm, I gotta be honest, I'd, I'd love to kick around how we get there because I, I really feel like the loudest and the and the proudest are the ones that are, that are the ones online making the most hay, and I, and I really wish it would kind of become more moderate. Okay, so let's um, let's examine that idea for a moment, because I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I think we should rush to the moderates just yet. Have the moderates ever won a war? Name me one war in this world that was won by the great moderates of the day. <laughs> I I got I got one for you. Okay, the, the war the war on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> because it was the dumbest war ever fought. Right? You know, the, the idea that we should be mad about how people give holiday greetings. So, you know, that's where moderation wins. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, but I think in terms of it, when you... <laughs> the war of Christmas. <laughs> so, you're, you're threatening to get me uh, down another rabbit hole. <laughs> so... I, I told you I was going to set you up like a volleyball player. <laughs> the, ball, the ball's over the net, David. We, we might have to get back to the war on Christmas. Here's, a, here's <laughs> the thing. I think that moderation is an easy idea to like, but it does not um, appreciate and recognize the reality of war. 
So uh, if we were talking about true moderates and an opportunity for moderation to win, we wouldn't be at war. Uh, and so I think part of the problem uh, that people like yourself uh, are running into is that um, you, you simply haven't acknowledged what many of us have acknowledged, which is that we are at war. Uh, this this is a war. It's it's a hot war where both sides are firing, uh, and not not recognizing that and not acknowledging it will not help your side win it. Uh, and so, I think I think we need moderates uh, at the table before the war, and we need moderates at the table after the war to negotiate the peace. But during the war, we need radicals. Um, and so that's, um, I think that we are just in a place where we, there is a social war going on. And not everyone has declared it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's fair. Uh, the problem is, is, is you, risk, you run the risk of, of uh, amplifying the extreme of the other side, right? If people think that Christianity is crazy hellfire brimstone when there's you know all the evidence is pointing that things are becoming more progressive more uh more modern more you know universalism things of that nature are, are we just are we just pointing a, a spotlight on the wrong faction by having this this extreme pole to pole war w would it would it be more productive to highlight that there is a more reasonable branch that can be had a conversation with and can we could find common uh, ground with no uh, and so I, I say don't, that. Don't, don't miss words, David. <laughs> no, no, no. okay. I'm trying to hold back. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> no, it won't. Um, it wouldn't help. And the reason uh, the reason I say that so quickly, uh, rather than pausing to pretend to think about it, um, <laughs> is that this is exactly what we said uh, in 2015. Um, this is this is exactly. Uh, what we said when um, Trump was running for president and uh, when the religious right was um, reestablishing their base and gaining power. Um, we, and when I say we, I mean me in particular, I was one of them. Uh, we laughed it away. Uh, we appealed to the more reasonable voices. Um, and we simply did not recognize the fact uh, that the less reasonable voices were in power, and, and we didn't know it. We were in denial. And I, and I would hope that we can learn from uh, at least that lesson in history, although history has tried to teach it to us many times in the past. Um, being in denial doesn't stop the extreme of the other faction. They have to be fought. And you, you can't make alliances in the middle and hope to defeat the extreme of the other faction when the extreme of the other faction is rising in power. And so I, I think that we have to just recognize that. We have to come to a realization of the kind of world we live in right now. And it's, it's easy to laugh off the religious right when you're in a room full of centrists. But we're not in a world full of centrists. And right now, Donald Trump is in power. And he's going to be in power for another four years. Because, because we thought that we could um, have reasonable conversations with the middle.
We cannot. Also, I would say that the middle during war, once again, they're great before war and after war, but during war, the middle um, somewhat serves the purpose of giving credibility to the extreme. So it's Donald Trump, even though he's facing a little bit of pushback from his own side, by and large, what the middle does is remain quiet. And they reap the benefits of the crazy ones who are actually doing the work. And then they try to move in and take over when, when the crazy ones burn out. But the middle is actually part of the problem because they're not so very active and they won't stand up uh, to the extreme lest their voice uh, is, is mistaken for the extreme. So I think just by nature, centrists aren't very good at war. Uh, and they are a little bit hypocritical because they sit and benefit from what the other side does. And this is true with atheists too. Centrist atheists will let people like me go out and be the spear catcher. And then maybe 10 years from now we win the day and then the centrist will say, yes, we were there the whole time. Shut up. <laughs> you, you weren't there getting your career destroyed, fool. <laughs> So do you think do you, th do you think I like how this spear looks coming out of my forehead? Yeah, that's right. So so I just I um I I appreciate uh, you know labels like you know the extreme ends in the in the center but I think in the when the action is taking place and the action is taking place you need the people who can catch and throw the spears and those aren't centrists. We have to win the thing before we shape the thing. Yeah, like I like I said, I think that's fair. I guess I guess that's the, that's the fundamental challenge is make centrism and moderation being equated with weak. I don't think it has to be equated with weak. You can be strongly moderate, strongly centrist. You're not going to convince a Trump supporter who hates brown people crossing the border that the answer is having the brown people at their dinner table and in their house and rubbing elbows with them, right? I mean that they're the problem is, is, is the is the, the the characterization of the of the other side is just making people run even further to their own polls. You can fight Donald Trump's immigration policy without saying, yeah, we should literally let everyone in the world into the United States and we'll all be literally laying on top of each other. You don't have to go that way to show how stupid and silly his position is on immigration. There are reasonable positions to be had on immigration. And you just need to, like you said, don't be weak about it. You can be strong, but the position can be centrist. Yeah, I think, well, once again, I think that's a great idea. I would love to see that actually carried out in the yep. real world. Uh, when the, the, bullets, devil's in the, the devil's in the details. It really is. When the bullets are flying, you need people who can, who can throw bullets. That's, that's what you need. And um, yep. that's, that's how you win, and that's how you put your moderates in the position of power moderates don't take power they're given power by extremists all right see now my cynicism is getting even higher you're really good you're really getting at me here Dave. well i'm a pretty good host. <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason you have a microphone right and, and by the way that was a pretty good quote i wish i could remember it i'm gonna i'm gonna have to play this back to uh to hear that again um, yeah, I, that's, I think that's part of the problem. That's part of the uh, problem with the religious war that we're in. So one of the things uh, that I think is maybe different between you and I is I'm willing to call it a war. I recognize it as a war because I know the people on the other side. They think of it as a war. 
Mm -hmm. And if you don't think of it as a war, you're just a stupid target. Because they're shooting at you. Yeah. You know, it's a war for them. And, you know, they know what the stakes are very clearly. Yeah, I, I mean, like like I said, there is there are you know there's plenty of blame to go around, and, and I don't mean if that I don't mean blame. That's not necessarily the right word, but but I guess what I, I guess what I'm saying is is after you've been throwing bullets for years, I, I mean, eventually you run out of steam, right? And 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 there's going to be a, a like you said a post war conversation. If you're just saying the war is not over yet, then sure, let's keep fighting, but eventually the conversation <laughs> has to move. Uh, and I just you know again having been doing this now for for many 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 years. I'm kind of waiting for the conversation to move, but I'm not seeing a lot of evidence that it's actually going to happen. Okay. Well, maybe I can encourage you. Um, because I, I actually do think that there's movement. So yes, we are in the war. We're in the middle of the war. In fact, we may be in the beginning, the beginning slash middle of the war. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think the war is almost over. So part of your weariness, uh, is that, you know, some wars are over in a matter of days or weeks. This one's going to go on for decades. Uh, Mm -hmm. it's one of those, but you know, that's also well within the pattern of wars. And I think that everybody would like to think that we're near the end of it, but we're not. I think that we've just begun. And I actually do think the beginning of the war was probably the internet age, uh, that you referred Mm -hmm. to earlier. Um, because before there wasn't a war, let me, let me go back a half step. Uh, the way this war is being framed by the other side, they use terms like new atheism. I've tried mm-hmm. to study this uh, a little bit and see where they're coming from. As near as I can tell, uh, old atheism was a time when Christianity was in power unquestioned. And they could get away with anything. They could say anything, do anything, make what laws they wanted, uh, portray the country as a some kind of Christian theocracy, this country or any other country they were in. Um, and the atheists would possibly make some noises, but they would be nice, they would be respectful, and they would know their place and stay in it. Uh, Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens were not the kinds of atheists that uh, acknowledged their place, and they certainly weren't the kind of people that stayed in it. And so, as near as I can tell, the new, th- the new atheist is the atheist that says, fuck that. <laughs> we're, we're, we're actually going to fight back and, and then maybe even go on the offensive. But I don't see anything new about not believing in God. The only new thing is that we're just not quietly sitting around letting the Christians get away with what they want to do unchallenged. Uh, and so um, where, was I, where was I going with this? So uh, I think that the Christian is framing this thing in a way um, that, that we buy into a little bit. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we want to say, well, you know, why can't we all just get along like we used to? Well, the, the reason we could get along like we used to is because they had a chain around our neck. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get along like we used to. Uh, and I don't feel like I started this fight. I was dragged into it. But now that I'm in it, uh, we've, we've got to see it through. Or else the next chain around your neck will be even thicker. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's right. I think having all the cards on the table, being proud about what you're saying, not feeling like you have to hide, not feeling like you have to be in the closet. I mean, these, these are important, important uh, advances that have been made. You know, I think the conversation is more out there. It's just a matter of, 
you know, like you were saying, is they, they, they were, it was branding. The new atheism thing is a branding exercise by them, trying to quickly paint the other side uh, as you know, something scary, something, something to be uh, worried about. Uh, because it's not like your grandfather's atheists, for instance. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I am all for new, new atheism, but it, it, like you say, it's, it's. I don't like how it's being painted by the other side. It's a matter of how, how do you combat that effectively? Well, and I think that we are. Um, so even though I, I, even though I think the battle is in its beginning stages, because for the first time uh, in ever. Uh, open atheists can be open and they do have a voice and they have a political voice and we're able to say things without being killed or having our career necessarily destroyed. And even then, people like yourself are uh, hesitant to do things like say your real name in public, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's... So if, if you want to talk about how far we have to go, uh, that's, just, that's just an example of how far we have to go. I don't, I don't know if Christians, for instance, on, a, on podcasts who feel like they need to obscure their names or faces um, you know, because society won't treat them well. Uh, so this is, we, we've got a long way to go. But as far as where we have come so far, just look at the Internet. Look at the state of things. I think that uh, secularism has been able to spread because people like yourself, people like myself – found communities of people, whole communities of people that we didn't know existed. We thought we were the only ones. And, and we thought that we were the only ones in our churches. We thought that we were the only ones in our towns. We weren't the only ones. We were never the only ones. But it's, it's a little bit like homosexuality. You've got to be really quiet about it. Uh, now, the reason I equate it to homosexuality, uh, you might uh, recall people used to say, well, it's, it's, it's a very rare anomaly. Um, you know, very few people. But the only reason it seemed like it was very few people is because they were kept quiet uh, and because they were threatened and because to be uh, caught gay was, to, was a death penalty offense in a lot of places. You know, it's funny that as uh, they fought for and won more rights, there became more of them. Well, it's not that there became more of them, <laughs> right? So, um, you know, we one of the one of the ways that you start to win early is simply because there becomes more of you uh, all of a sudden because you have a voice and because you realize that there are more of you out there than you thought. That's that's the first level of victory, and I think that we've already attained that. Another level of victory, though, is that we're actually starting to move legislation in a way that it will be hard, not impossible, but hard to roll back. So for the first time, we're not just acknowledging uh, the presence of uh, gay people in our society. Uh, they have now rights. And we're, we're actually, for the first time, talking about equal rights uh, for these people who, you know, just a few years ago had no rights. They, they weren't even acknowledged. Don't ask, don't tell. Can you imagine can you, be, can you imagine being in a community where a, a major part of your identity is something you can't talk about? And, and yeah, if you did, you were, you, there would be legal sanctions against you. Yeah, I, I, I think the coming out from under the blankets is, is one of the best things that's happened uh, as part of this debate. Right. But that's winning. Uh, and, and, yeah, exactly. Right? That's, win that's an early stage of winning, but it is yep. winning. Uh, that's mm -hmm. that's a, a step forward. Um, the fact that we are having the conversation 
is new. We, it, it used to be that there was no conversation. It, it was just that Christians ruled. The fact that we're having the conversation in every house, in every garage, in every studio, that's winning. Yes. The, the fact that I have an audience, <laughs> skeptics and seekers exist, <laughs> do you know how much of a nobody I am? <laughs> <laughs> Just a microphone and a dream. Dave. That's, 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 <laughs> that's winning, and so I, I, um, I just I want to leave you with a little uh, hope. It's just that this is a decades long war, and we're not going to be alive when it's won, but we're instrumental in the winning of it. We're a link in the chain, uh, and so I know how frustrating it can be. And you want to say, let's jump to the end and put the centrist at the table, but there's no table yeah. yet. It's, right. It's not time. Yep. And, and, uh, and like a, all I was trying to say is I think there's a difference between telling people I think you shouldn't be a Christian because Christianity is, is not true or not good and uh, saying I don't think you should be a Christian. Someone's going to come to your door with a bat to stop you from being a Christian. And I want to make sure that the latter is not what they think we're doing. I'm happy to yell and scream as loud as I can that I think Christianity is bad for you. But I'm not trying to say that you, sh- you know, it should be illegal or you should be – we're not trying to flip the script where now it's the Christians that are in chains because of who they are. I want to go after the beliefs. I want to go after the systems. I want to go after the harm. I don't want to go after the person per se. I want the person to become a new person at the end of the day. And I just want to make sure that the right voices are the ones that are uh, sharing that information with them. So maybe I'll get the nerve to, to – to- Push that button. I'm going to label that the red button. We might push the red button here. No. Um, because I am not entirely sure that, um, that that's not the end game or that it shouldn't be the end game. It's not my end game. Just, just, uh-huh. just so you know. Um, I, although, that said, I would love to see a world where there's no religion. Sure. P- period. John, I, John, John Lennon agrees. Yeah, John, John Lennon. Um, Maybe one of the few things we agree on, John Lennon and I. Um, but yeah, I would. I w- So I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to overstate my case, but I don't want to understate it either. Religion is bad, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I I believe that religion is bad. I believe that religion is actively a bad thing in our present. It is actively a bad thing in our history, and it will actively retard our future. Uh, I, I think that uh, on balance, no matter how many good things you can attribute to religion, on balance, it is still a bad thing um, and has been bad for us. And I want to see a world where it doesn't exist. Now, separate that from, from the point that you were making before. My goal with Skeptics and Seekers is not to end religion. That's That's not why I started doing this. I... Um, but I'm not entirely sure that that's not what I shouldn't be doing. Because at the end of the day, if I say that religion is bad, and if I believe that, I don't know that there is any positive benefit in leaving it intact. Uh, Because if it is that which brought us to this war in the first place, and we leave it intact, it'll bring us to it again. Yep, I agree. And I think I think the issue is, is religion is such a broad term that those that are feeling that their religion is attacked will retreat back to the parts of religion that are actually defensible. 
like everything that's good about religion requires no deity, requires no church, you know, requires no crazy beliefs that are unjustified or unbacked by evidence. The parts of religion that are good, you can have without religion, community, um, traditions, um, you know, repetition of positive activity. All of these things can be had without it being religion. So the part of the religion that I want to destroy is the idea that there's some authoritarian being outside of our purview that's telling us stuff to believe, stuff to do, and it's unjustified. And we don't have to do those things if they're bad for us. If God's telling me to brush my teeth every day, I'm happy to do it. And I do it whether God told me to do it or not. It's when God's telling me that people are evil and they need to be snuffed out and things of that nature that we need to push back on because, yeah, that's not the case. And we don't have to do these things if it's not good for us because the, the authority that you're saying is telling you to do this is not really there. Yeah, well, that's the part of the religion they want to keep. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, a, that's a nice... A nice dream you've got there. That's <laughs> a nice idea. Well, well, you, well I, I don't know what the numbers bear up, but like, like uh, Unitarianism, Universalism, things of that nature, I, I think their numbers are growing because people like going to church without all the God talk. Yes, their so numbers are growing, but it's irrelevant. And the people who uh, go to church and are actual Christians uh, don't recognize Unitarians as Christians. So, right. uh, you know, have, having been in actual churches all my life, and then I spent a, a little bit of a season in UU while I was on my way out the door, it mm-hmm. was fantastic, by the way. And I, I recommend anyone who's having a problem with religion, who is thinking, you know, just I need to get rid of this, try UU. That <laughs> you'll still end up getting out, <laughs> right? But it's it's fantastic. Um, but at the end of the day, you once you go to UU, what you realize is you are out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a way of easing out, easing yourself out, and kind of psyching yourself into thinking that you're still in. You're not in anymore. Once you walk into a UU church, there's no actual church in, church in the world that's going to recognize you as a Christian, right? I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is 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 a lot of reasons people stay in religion and stay in their uh, God beliefs is because they think they lose other stuff if they give it up. They think they can't be moral if they don't believe in God, and that's just false. And there are you know tons of ink spilled describing why that's the case. So the the point being is is you don't have to give up these other things that are actually real and actually good by giving up your God beliefs. So make sure that we're we're taking the scalpel to the right part and not cutting up the parts that they actually care to keep. Yeah, I think they're lying. I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> you're, think, no, you're, I think you're more cynical than I am now. This is, I think the tables are turning. <laughs> well, that could be. But I honestly, they're, they're not telling the truth. They don't think for a moment uh, that their morality hinges on religious belief. Um, they, may, they may emotionally feel that way for a moment, but when they set their mind to it, they don't actually think that. And, and here, here's why I say that. Uh, you don't need any mental gymnastics. Just look up from your Bible. You see that uh, secular uh, person over there uh, who just, uh, got, uh, who just uh, picked up a $10 bill on the sidewalk. Now look at them. They're chasing the person down who dropped it. See? 
that's that happens all around you every day, every minute of every day. Any Christian who is being honest recognizes that secular people find their way around to what they call morality every minute of every day, at least as many minutes as they do as they're Christians. Everybody knows that. Christians pretend that, you know, if they went to the other side, there would be no uh, morality. But that's just a talking point. It's not something that they actually believe in their minds. So, I mean, I, I bet that's true for a large majority of people. I mean, obviously, if, if, if what we think is true is true, that we're just evolved animals, then yeah, this had to come from somewhere, and it's going to be irrespective of whatever particular belief or religion you have. But, but take someone who, who adheres to the, uh, like the Abraham test. I mean, they'll, they'll gleefully tell you that they'd be happy to kill their kid if God asked them to. Nobody adheres they... to the Abraham test. Well, they... <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> maybe, maybe as far as, well, you know, Abraham would have if he didn't get stopped, right? right. The angel grabbed his hand, right? Right. So how, how do you know there's not angels grabbing people's hands all over? No, my, but my point is, is, is they'll, they're not lying, but they're, they're self-deceived. They'll tell you and believe it themselves that, yeah, this is moral because God told me to do it. They may be wrong. They may be mistaken. They may, if they thought about it, change their mind. But the, I think there's a pretty clear uh, thinking track there that's not like it, it's, it's not, you know, they're not lying about what they're thinking. Yeah, potato, potato. I, um, I think they're lying. <laughs> so, for instance, <laughs> I mean, j- just uh, so the, they may be lying to themselves right. before lying to someone else. Um, but, but I still think it comes down to lying. So for instance, my own parents, I'll just bring them into the conversation briefly. Uh, sorry, mom, trust me, (laughs) she does not listen to my podcast. You know, for this past Christmas, you didn't give that. You didn't give them a nice audio book of all of your years' work. I, I did not. Was- <laughs> my eighty-year-old my mother does not give a good goddamn about my podcast. <laughs> so, um, but um, she did get on the internet this year, though. Uh, she, Ooh. my my eighty-year-old totally blind mother, is doing cooking videos. Filmed by my blind eighty-year-old father. <laughs> we are we are we are through the looking glass. I don't know what world I'm living in anymore. <laughs> oh my! Oh my! You know you know what the worst of it is? They didn't even tell me about it. I found out through my wife. <laughs> it's not oh. like they don't like me. They just <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> anyway, now, how, how good how good does the food come out? In oh, they're they're amazing cooks. Wow! Yeah, no, they're I mean, that's, yeah, they're fantastic. Making, they don't jack about making a video, but they've got the colander on their head. They are not pastafarians. No, they're they're uh, they're Christians. <laughs> so okay, no no head worn colanders. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, but for instance, that my parents know that I am a it, in their in their parlance. A, a very moral human being. They know that about me. Yeah. They don't. They don't have to wonder about it. If someone asked them, they would. They would say it. Yes, he's one of the most upstanding citizens we know. Um. 
they, they understand that there is morality outside of, of this worldview. Mm-hmm. So they may deceive themselves into some kind of talking point that, uh, no, you need God to be moral or you need to, but they know better. Right. Right. That's what I mean. I, They're not stupid people. Um, right. Uh, and I, I think that Christians know better too, but they need the talking point. They need it um, for for very particular reasons. And I, I, we don't have to go into that, but I, I think it is a part of the conversation that we're having is that Christians, even the moderate Christians, hold to some very extremist ideas. And I, I kind of almost... Um, push back against the idea of moderate Christians. I'm uh, having having been ultra conservative, moderate, and liberal myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the moderate exists. I think I think that's a little bit of um, of a myth. Yeah, I mean, there, there's obviously something extreme about believing in a deity on on lack of evidence. Right. So in that in that sense, it's extreme. Period. Regardless of you know the rest of your views. Yeah, every one um, of them, for instance, believes that you are in sin. What I mean, if you think about what sin is supposed to be, it's not just that, um, you know, you you told a little white lie to somebody, but that you have aff- offended the creator of the universe in some supernatural way that stains you, in some supernatural way that requires that. Uh, creator of the universe to, in some supernatural way, remove the stain um, by blood in some supernatural way. This is not a moderate idea. It cannot be spun in a moderate way. Right. And I I think what's happened is is because because it's been around for so long, you know, the idea that it has a track record is what people think means it's moderate. But it's not. It's just it's, it was the it was the early winter, and that's why it, it seems like it's been around for so long. So people default to it to some degree. Right. Um, you know, I've seen the nicest people that you ever want to meet uh, talk about hell in a way that's chilling. Uh, it's chill. It's chilling. Mm-hmm. The the thing that they believe will happen to you when you die is chilling, and a person who regards another another human being in that way is not moderate by any definition that I can think of. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's not defensible in that way at all. Uh, but you're right. It's, but they don't, they don't view themselves as extreme, right? They think that they've, they're like, what are you talking about? I got, I got the, I got the answers from the guy in charge. What how can that be extreme? But it, it it's right. It, it, upon a more thinking about it, I think it, I think it would bear out, but it, they don't see it that way. Right, right, and so um, th- this is why this is why I think uh, moderate moderate atheists before the quote unquote new atheism were so mm-hmm. ineffective because like they they assumed that they were talking to moderate people, uh, and just because you're talking to nice people or soft spoken people or quiet people, yeah, uh, or even you know, you know, really morally good self-sacrificial people doesn't mean that you're talking to moderate people. Right. I guess one, one part of this that you know, kind of bringing it back to the state of the conversation, you know, one part about this that's giving me pause is, you know, one thing that, that the skeptics and atheist side, 
side really bristles about is when the Christians tell you, oh, you're just an atheist because you want to sin. Oh, God. Uh, you're just, you know, so, but, so isn't this kind of the, the other side of the same coin us telling us that, you know, you Christians, you don't really believe what you believe, you're just lying? I mean, I, there's part of this where it's if you can't take someone else at their word, then a conversation is is, is likely impossible. So, so I, you know, I kind of I want to grant them sincerity if they'll extend the favor back to me. I'm happy to call them on it if they call me on it. So, you know, how do we move forward in that sort of way? I have this conversation with Andrew a lot, and it doesn't it doesn't progress very far. Uh, <laughs> it is is the audience might have figured out. Andrew and I talk about this stuff a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Because we're we're constantly pushing each other to think deeper uh, about it, and some of the talk that we have is just bitter. <laughs> it's not yeah. you don't you don't <laughs> actually you probably would want to hear it. make a good show, um, <laughs> but um, this is this is one of these things that I, I want to say. Last year, uh, I came to a realization that I had a belief in my heart that I had to quail because I was, I was blogging a lot and I was starting this new show and, and all that. And the belief that I had was that Christians really don't believe in what they say. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I made it kind of a point to just guard that and, and look at that every day and, and promise that I would never say anything like that on mic. Um, because of exactly what, you're saying i i don't have the right to assume uh the other person's insincerity mm-hmm. uh and i and i have to to fight my own impulse and start it at at um neutrality which is to say to 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 believe their expression of faith at least until given good reason not to the problem is I do believe I have good reason not to believe it. So as much as I want to believe that Christians believe what they say, um, I don't because I do have reasons to believe otherwise. And also I'm not sure that it is the kindest position to just assume that a person believes what they say. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we should assume it. I, th- I think you should start with it. And then let evidence from the dialogue precipitate out whether or not that's worth staying there or to call them uh, for what you're seeing. Right. So let me let me just ask you before I go down that road further. Uh, I know I'm already too far down it to back out now. Uh, so thanks for that. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, uh, let's tie this one off. This is good. Uh, but I, I want to know what you think about that. Do you actually believe that Christians on balance believe the claims they make about their belief? So the short answer is yes. But, but, it's, but the longer answer is, is this is because with all these deity religions, it's not just the belief. It's the, I'm afraid to even question this because I'm starting from a position that there's a authority in the sky that's going to do something bad to me if I'm not on his team. So, yeah, if they felt free to explore, they'd probably come out of it pretty quick. That's what it felt like for me when I got out of it. I, I, like I said, I became an adult and decided, you know what? I need to be my own man and I need to believe things because of good reasons and reasons that I have, not reasons given to me 
by a deity, a father, a pastor, etc. I had to give myself that permission and it flowed pretty easily from there. So I think they believe because they haven't given themselves permission to even question it yet. Mm-hmm. So if that facade was, was cracked or even removed, then I would agree with you that I think they would also come to the, the clear uh, solution. You know, think about think about a corollary of believing in Santa Claus. I know that that Christians bristle when you compare belief in God to belief they in Santa Claus. They lose their ever loving mind, is what they do. They do, <laughs> but but just like think about it from a cognitive exercise, right? I mean, you young kids sincerely believe it because my kids would believe what I if I told them there was an eggplant, you know, in their back pocket, they'd believe it. Um, but then they progress to, I got some ideas that this isn't true, but I really like the presence. I really like the anticipation, the magic. So they push it to the side. That's not the same position as what they were a couple of years ago. And it's certainly not the position of where they end up when they get older and say, yeah, this is fake. Forget about it. Um, so the, my point is, is there's there, some of this belief is volitional, but other is not. And I think a lot of the volition is in the giving themselves permission to open up the open up the, uh, the span of what they can actually question or not and give themselves permission to, to analyze all these things. OK, but that's I still think that's a a step short of they believe it, right? So what, what you've basically described is they want to believe it. And wanting, wanting to believe it is not believing it. You can even say they're trying to believe it, but that's different from right. believing it too. Um, and so I would give Christians that much grace to say that they really want to believe what they say. And that and, they're, and they're if, really trying yeah. to believe what they say. But as a matter of this is how you live your life and what you think about the, the actual world, I have reason to believe that they don't believe it. So, so you know, for example, what about, what about the woman that drowned her kids because she was afraid that they were going to go to hell? So she drowned her kids hoping that they would die in the proper state and go to heaven. She, she actually did it. She drowned her kids. Mm-hmm. So are you claiming that she didn't believe that or – I mean, maybe it was just mental illness. What, what, what's your take on right. something like so that? This is, this is also where I get into trouble. Um, you're well, looking for all of the places where I get into trouble. You into trouble. <laughs> yes, well, I can, I can see Listen, that. <laughs> I want a good podcast. Let's get into trouble. You, you have clearly done your research. Um, yes. So I get in trouble here because I uh, toss around uh, mental illness a lot when I talk about certain um, Christian beliefs, understandings of the world. So let me let me answer it this way. The lady that drowned her kid, uh, I would say, yes, she really believed it if you would say she was not mentally ill. So that's that's the deal. Um, if you're saying that out of her intellect, she made this cold, calculated decision, then I would count that as real belief. But if you, if what you would say, and I feel like you would say, and every Christian who's I've ever talked to about this would say, is no, she was clearly mentally ill. Then you can't count that as belief. I know what you're saying. However, you know the brain is an organism uh, is an organ like anything else, right? So, you know, if I if I can throw a ball a certain distance with a healthy arm, and then when my arm is injured, I throw it less, I'm still throwing the ball. So my brain, whether it is mentally ill or fully functioning or halfway there, whether it's because of a physical tumor or it's because of, you know, whatever operant conditioning or whatever else is affecting me to, to think the way I think, 
it's still the same thing. It's still the same processing of mental activity. So, you know, I, I think taking some of the stigma off of mental illness would get us to a better place with this because I think she's both mentally ill and actually believed it. And those things are, are correlated and even probably partially caused I think what we've learned here in this discussion is that Brian with an, a Y is a moderate. <laughs> He's a, <laughs> God, this is not, this is, <laughs> what can, what, you, thought what? I, you thought I was more polemical than, 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 uh, than I, I've come across? You know what? I'm taking away your badge. You're not a lay skeptic. <laughs> You're just a pretender. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, wow. So I've, I've been demoted. Now I'm in the, the sub-basement. <laughs> Darren, you, sir, are the original lay skeptic. Oh, no. So th- I'm just going to be singing Kumbaya on the message boards now. So you, you've, lost, you've lost an ally. <laughs> God. Um, yes. So um, it, I, it's not that you're not making sense. I don't, yeah. want to, I don't want to. I don't want to say that. <laughs> oh, cool. that's a, that's a low hurdle. I'm, that's, I'm feeling better about myself. I'm killing it. you with faint praise, because um, <laughs> it's the only weapon I've got left. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so okay, uh, mental. But I, I still say whether whether you say, but that's that's the condition of her heart, and she's mentally ill, and so maybe she's not fully in control. But I, I would say that. She is responsible for her behavior decisions as a six-year-old. And in this country, we would say that a six-year-old is not at all responsible uh, for their behavior. We do have standards for uh, what mature adults can do that non-mature, non-adults can't do. Uh, and so if, if this woman is truly mentally ill in a way that we would call insane, then no, I don't. I don't think anything that she does or believes in in terms of religion should be counted as faith. Furthermore, I don't think that most Christians would count it either. Um, and that's a pretty low bar because Christians will count just about anything. Uh, but I don't. I don't think that they would count this woman, for instance, as an example of of, uh, of, of demonstrating Christian faith. Right. No, I, I would agree because again, I, I think it. I think they would they would have a trouble with with the action that was committed, and it make they don't think it's one she should have done, and they think it makes the rest of them look bad, and that's why they're happy to to cast her aside. Right, and I, uh, so you know, again, this I, is this is why I think they're wrong though. I, the action, forget the action. Yeah. Um, the action is horrendous. It's like the Abraham test. Fine, I I can I can take that if you are doing it because you have faith that that is what you're supposed to do, and that there's nothing else corrupting that decision then I would say that you are faithful to your religion. But anytime someone does something extreme like that, Christians are among the first people to come out and say, well, that stop trying to paint us with that because that person was obviously crazy. Right. So it seems I, like I, anyone who actually demonstrates their faith is crazy. And so you, and, you and can't I, count that as faith. Good. good. Yeah, I, I, I think... I think I think you bring up a great point, and I and, I, and it's one of my biggest pet peeves uh, that I found on on the message boards in general, not just skeptic and seekers, but elsewhere. Um, is you brought the word faith into this, and I think one of the issues here is there's a, there's equivocating on belief here, right? Because now, as a skeptic and not a Christian, to me, belief is something I I don't actively do. Belief is I'm now convinced, mm-hmm. but the believer is using belief as a volitional act as well. It's not just I believe I'll be saved. It's I'm acting as if I'm 
demonstrating faith. I'm, I'm, I'm raising my hand to be part of a tribe. Uh, so when we're trying to, it's like talking apples and oranges. If you're talking about what I would consider belief being convinced versus what a believer is saying belief. So yeah, I would agree. If you want to bring the faith part into it, I, I, I don't think you and I would disagree about, about exactly what's going on with them. Okay. So let's, let's move to another topic. We'll start to wrap up here soon. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation. Um, despite the revelations that have come out about you. <laughs> well, well, we'll see if the, the rubber hits the road and you actually put this up uh, on the internet because maybe, maybe this will be buried. <laughs> oh, no, it's going up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, what do we need to do uh, to, to get to the place where you think we need to be in the conversation? I, I think, uh, for my part, one of the first things that needs to happen, and it hasn't happened yet, by the way, so it, it may be years or a decade before it does, mm -hmm. but I think that one of the things that has to happen is that we have to start to agree on terms. Uh, so we are in a place right now where possibly both sides are defining the other side in a way that the other side does not define themselves. Um, and we need to come to some kind of agreement on who we are, what we believe, and the kind of terms that we use and what we mean by those terms, just, just some definitional things. So, for instance, um, whenever I talk about faith, uh, we were just talking about that a little bit ago, a Christian will almost inevitably disagree with what I mean by faith. Um, and by the way, for the record, when I talk about faith in my definition of faith, it's the definition I had of faith when I was a Christian. So I'm not trying to straw man uh, anyone. But the new apologist um, seems like they've moved away from that definition. So now when we talk about matters of faith, we don't even have a, a starting point for, for what we're talking about. Um. And I think that the conversation is like that in, in a lot of areas, uh, a, lot of, a lot of terms like that. We don't agree on what an atheist is. Um, and so we have a lot of war with, with terms that we don't even agree on. We talk about morality. I think that morality is another one of those words we don't have a fundamental agreement on. We, we think we know what the other is talking about, but when you examine it further, we don't really know what each other is talking about. So I think that... Probably one of the first things that we need to do uh, is, if we're going to have the conversation seriously, is stop shouting for just a few moments long enough to agree at least on what we're shouting about. Yeah, I, I, I think that is one of the most critical things that has to happen. Uh, and I don't know how we do it without you know, every conversation uh, starting off with a, you know, a laundry list of terms with definitions before we even get into the discussion. But um, yeah, the equivocating on terms, the apples and oranges, it's, it just, it's so frustrating. And it makes conversations about 10 times longer than they actually would have to be. Yeah. So what, um, you know, if, if there was a term that you could fix uh, right now uh, to make the conversation better, what, what term would you fix first? If I, so if I could fix one term first... I think I think I would I think I would fix skepticism because okay. I think that that one is so misunderstood 
and it's always assumed to be a synonym a synonym with you know uh, fanatical atheist you know god definitely doesn't exist and i've got the proof in my garage in a box um you know skepticism is so much broader and it's about a process not a conclusion it's about a state of mind it's about putting yourself in the best um uh, best circumstance to come to to proper beliefs it doesn't guarantee you come to true beliefs but but if you're following the best process you're maximizing the chance you get to the best beliefs and if you're skeptical you'll remain skeptical of whatever conclusions you're currently sitting on and will be willing and able to revise as new evidence and new argument comes to the forefront so you know I, one of my, my biggest pet peeves is how the christians on the skeptic and seekers board view skepticism and and just i, I think they paint it as a as a pejorative and you know and lace it with with a bunch of um you know negative attitudes that you know frankly i don't think need to be there okay um so i'm gonna pick two um the first one is similar uh to yours uh atheism uh i would just remove that from uh the vernacular altogether uh there's no such thing as atheism Mm-hmm. Uh, I think atheism in it of itself is a pejorative. Uh, it's not the same as saying atheist. It's suggesting that you have a religion just like me. So there's there's a lot of baggage when when people talk about atheism, and you know even the new atheism is loaded with that term. So it's a very loaded word that allows the Christian to say things about the atheist besides the fact that they don't believe in God. Um, and there's nothing about not believing in God that is a worldview. But when you say atheism, now you're suggesting it's a worldview like humanism, uh, and it is not. Um, so I would, I would get rid of that one altogether. And another one uh, I would fix uh, is Christianity. Hmm. Uh, I think that on the... Uh, atheist side, we are we are very confused about what Christianity is. So one of my themes uh, this season is to talk about real Christianity, so that we can kind of get to the bottom of that. And I actually don't believe that there is a such thing as real Christianity, but I at least <laughs> want us to get us to a place where we can be honest about that. It's it's very hard for us uh, to know what Christianity is. You know, if I if I put an article out there. Uh, and it was about uh, the Jehovah's, some Jehovah's Witness who, you know, did this or that. You know, half the Christians would say, oh, they're not even Christian. I don't even know why you're talking about it. Well, they seem Christian to me. Okay, well, then some Mormon did. So, you know, well, well they're not even Christian. Okay, well, uh, so this is how the, this is what the Pentecostals did this week. Oh, the Pentecostals, those, those are they're crazy. They're barely Christians. <laughs> See, we don't, I mean, we, well, what do you mean then? What is Christian? You know, I'm apparently calling a lot of things Christian that uh, a lot of Christians don't want to call Christian. And I don't want to be in a position of defining who they are. And I think that Christians have done a piss poor job of defining who they are. Uh, so I am stuck in a place where I'm trying to have this conversation as honestly as I can, but I don't have a clear uh, definition of what they, of how they're identifying their, themselves, and they'll you know, and they'll they'll even change the level you're having the conversation at, right? If you're if you're debating the particulars of a particular uh, sect of of Christianity, and you start winning on that level, they'll bump it up to starting about you know Christ, Christianity simpliciter. You know, Randall yes. Rouser is a big proponent of doing this. 
where he'll if you if you got him down in the details, you know, talking about why slavery is wrong or the Old Testament is immoral, he'll just bring it up to the level where it's you know it's so mushy and ill-defined that you can't poke a hole in something that's you know that's so amorphous that you can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're right, and I think I think even if you defined it correctly, they would still find a way to jump levels once you uh, get them pinned down at a certain level. Right. So that's a, that's another part part of the challenge of the conversation is. When I do start a conversation with clear definitions, there are many definitions, and so they can't be narrowed down to one definition or two. And then I'll say, okay, great. Well, then just define which one you mean every time you say the word, which, of course, becomes awkward, and no one wants to be pinned down to that. And so we often end up in conversations or arguments um, where one side is accusing the other of misrepresenting but you know, they've changed the the definition in mid-sentence. So, you know, I thought you were talking about this, and it turns out you're talking about that. Now tell me, do we do that? Uh, Do do skeptics do that too? Because I'm I'm just trying to be fair. I don't want to say, well, they're the ones, you know, causing the problem, but I honestly can't think of examples in our language where we do that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so as far as terms go. But I can imagine a certain brand of Christian, you know, what, you know, a Methodist being tarred with a Calvinist's, you know, beliefs. If, assuming that because you're a Christian, you believe in, you know, you know, you know, the tulip framework or the, you know, burning in hell or what have you. I, I can see a similarity there. It's not exactly the same thing as we're talking about. Um, but, uh, but beyond I that, that the category of honest mistake, because yeah, you know, the, the sure. last I checked, that that was Christian. That was a mainstream Christian idea, and I'm talking to a Christian. But now I don't, so I don't understand the subdivisions well enough. And and like I said, then it, everyone has to lead every discussion with a placard of everything, you know, all their specific beliefs and their specific positions, so that you know no one's straw man. Uh, it becomes a little unwieldy. But um, another another term, you know, where this happens all the time is faith, right? And mm-hmm. And not only will the definition change, but faith is good if you're a Christian and it's bad if you're an atheist. You know, the common refrain of that, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Oh, God. Well, I thought having a lot of faith was a good thing. If you're a Christian, having a lot of faith is fantastic. So if I have a lot of faith as an atheist, why is that now wrong? It's, it's literally just depending on what jersey you're wearing, uh, what you're doing is right or wrong. Right. So I'm, let, let, me, let me end the conversation this way. Uh, in, for the record... I don't want to end this conversation. <laughs> this, is, this, is, uh, this has been delightful. In fact, uh, once we say goodbye, I'm actually going to uh, ask if you'll stay on the line just a little bit longer because I want to introduce you to Andrew. Andrew hasn't spoken with you, and I know that he's on Skype right now. And, oh, fantastic. Uh, I'd love, love to, to do that. love to see if we can't uh, get you on some of his shows when he can be deigned to turn the mic on. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, Slacker. It's not, this isn't a Slack chat, but we're talking to a Slacker. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I've, I've apparently got more of a mic addiction than he does, but um, we're always looking for interesting people to uh, join us. And um, so I would, I would love to introduce you to Andrew. Andrew and I often have an after show where we uh, break down everything that went wrong. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no, that would be great. I'd love to do that. Okay. So let me me end the podcast official with this question. Um, What what do we skeptics um, need to work on? Um, I I had a more specific way that I wanted to ask this, though. So give me a minute. Let Let me massage this question a little bit. 
Um, okay, yeah. So we are we are in an interesting position, I think, in this conversation, where we don't have a burden of proof. I understand the Christian's frustration because it's hard week after week, day after day, to go into a discussion board and always have to be the one to defend something. Um, That said, I think the nature of the conversation is that the Christian has the burden of proof. And sometimes, you know, we set up skeptics and seekers the way it is so that no one side would always have the burden of proof. Um, and, but that's just, that's just out of conversational charity. I think the conversation naturally is that the Christian is making a claim that the skeptic does not agree with. And the one who does not agree does not have a burden of proof. I don't have to prove that I don't agree. I don't even have to have a particularly good reason why I don't agree. Um, and so that, and the Christian is always in this position of evangelism. You know, they're trying to spread their word and create proselytes. That's not what we're doing, <laughs> uh, at least not overtly. Uh, so we don't have that burden. But I, I just want... I just wanted to challenge you a little bit uh, on that and challenge myself a little bit on that. Might I be wrong about that? Do we actually bear some conversational burden that we are not bearing properly? I, I think this topic is, is crucial. I mean, this burden of proof is one of the, is one of the things that gets uh, everybody into trouble. Um, I, 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 think, I think the skeptic does not have the burden of proof in, in a lot of these conversations. But yes, anytime the skeptic advances a positive claim, if I were to say, for instance, there is no God, I would bear the burden of proof of demonstrating that. That's not the same thing as saying I am unconvinced that a God exists. What evidence have you to try to move me off of this being unconvinced? Um, I think the conversations get into trouble when you have one prong god or no god but you end up having the conversation of there is a god there is no god rather than discussing god or should i not believe in god uh, matt dillahunty does this a lot where he talks about the prongs of a debate and making sure you're only just debating one prong he uses the example of you know say there's a jar of jelly beans mm-hmm, mm-hmm. obviously there's going to be either an even number or an odd number of jelly beans in the jar but i don't believe that there's an even number I don't believe there's an odd number. I know that it's either or, but if you were to tell me the number's even, I am not required to stake out the claim that it's odd. I would just say, why do you think it's even? Okay, so uh, we left off with burden of proof. Uh, This is a very sticky topic. Uh, Andrew might pop in. Uh, at some point uh, and join the conversation already in progress. Uh, But in the meantime, um, yeah, I wanted to give a little bit of space to this one because I think this is a very important part of the conversation, capital C uh, conversation, which is uh, who's who's making the claim? What's our responsibility? Do we, uh, as skeptics, uh, have a claim? Are we shirking our responsibility and making this conversation unnecessarily awkward? What's what's the deal? 
Yeah, I think I think this topic is it gets thorny. I agree, and I think it really depends on the nature of the conversation. Um, burden of proof obviously comes in from the person that's making the positive claim. Uh, so if you make a claim, uh, you need to demonstrate it. You need to uh, take on the burden of proof to, to uh, prove what you're saying is true. Um, however, if you're a skeptic and you're talking to someone who has taken on a burden of proof, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with also taking on a burden of proof in response, but it all depends on the nature of the conversation. If, if, if David, you made a cl uh, claim to me that I do not have a wallet in my back pocket, well, so you've taken on the burden of proof, but me as the interlocutor, if I grab my wallet out of my pocket and say, here it is, I've just effectively ended the conversation and won the debate. Uh, so, you know, if in, in, in things of that nature, if you actually have something positive to bring to the table to rebut whatever claim is being made, then I think you should be uh, uh, willing and able to do that. Uh, the trouble uh, uh, arises when someone's making a positive claim that's in the philosophical, divine, supernatural realm. You know, I don't know what sort of positive claims uh, a skeptic can make to rebut something of that nature. So obviously I would, I would take more of the, okay, I'm, I'm saying I don't believe, try to make me believe, convince me, where's your evidence, where's your argument? So is there ever a, a time when a person needs or, or bears the burden to uh, justify their disbelief? I would say no as a default, yes in the face of competing evidence. If, if I say you don't have a brother and you're standing there with your brother, then I would need to provide some reasons for why I hold my belief. If there, you know, and, and those would become the topics of conversation. If I, you know, I was like, oh, that guy is... That guy's not your brother. I have his birth certificate right here. It says he's, you know, someone completely different. Right, but that's a slightly uh, different question, though. I'm the question I'm asking is the classic: um, there is a God. I don't believe. I don't believe you that there is a God. And then that, right. then that person having to bear the burden after engaging with the conversation, say. So if if there's no conversation, then there's no burden. Uh, right. But if there is a conversation and he engages with the conversation in good faith, doesn't he have the burden of reasonableness at the very least? I think that this is probably what Dale might say if he were here, um, that even though I, as the skeptic, am not making a claim, we are having a conversation in good faith about a claim and I am telling you why I believe it, and you're telling me why you don't believe it. But isn't there an implied burden that you at least have to have a reasonable disbelief? I, I would say yes, but only if what you're trying to do is convince the other person, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I'm, if my, we could be having a conversation, and if I'm talking to a, a dyed-in-the-wool Christian, I may not believe I'm going to even get them to move. So I'm not trying to convince them to be an atheist. So I don't think I would adopt a burden of proof if I wasn't trying to convince them to change their mind. I would want, if they were trying to convince me, they would need to marshal their argument and evidence. But you're right. There is, there is a burden of reasonableness. If I'm missing the hand right in front of my face, then no, I'm not being reasonable. And saying I disbelieve there's a hand in front of my face does not look like it's, it's the right decision. Right. Um, so I'm just, I'm just trying to put myself in, in their position. 
uh, a little bit and, and understand maybe a way of steel manning their argument yep. uh, and giving uh, those of us on the skeptical side a little bit better of a course of action than to simply say, well, I don't believe you. Um, because we're all conversational geeks. Right. And none of us wants the conversation to end there. We, we actually want a better conversation than that. Exactly. So I think that we might have to learn how to reach a little bit further than we have to in order to demonstrate some conversational grace. Because the nature of the conversation with capital C is on the Christian side, I think. They, they right. always carry a burden of proof. But the rules of conversation break down if, if that's the case. It's kind of like right. the, the laws of physics break down in a singularity. Um, when one side has the burden of proof all the time, it's like a conversational singularity, and the rules break down. Right. And I, and I'll, I will grant them that it's obviously a lot more burdensome, <laughs> for lack of a better word, uh, to be always carrying the burden of proof, right? Like, I, I want to sympathize with their position. Um, however, what I found is because the nature of... of positive arguments for Christianity are in the realm of philosophy. They're in the realm of logic. They're able to retreat to this, even though you've given me 99 pieces of negative evidence, if there's a chance that there's one out of the hundred that makes my position right, I can retreat to, well, you haven't demonstrated it's impossible. Therefore, I can believe it's possible and I'm going to believe it's true. Right? So, that, so that's where we get, there's nothing we can do as skeptics to advance a positive claim of, of impossibility if they can hold out the one in a million chance and therefore you know you have you haven't met your argument if you're telling someone something's impossible but you haven't eliminated one of a million you haven't done the job okay so let's set the christian aside for a moment okay uh, we'll 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 kick them uh, pick, we'll get back to them yeah <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in due course yes um <coughs> but i'm i'm i want the listener to understand that i'm genuinely trying to work out um, what my responsibility is, uh, and and what I could what I could agree to, because mm-hmm. I honestly don't believe I have any responsibility. But I don't want the conversation to end at I don't have any responsibility. So right. in that sense, I do have a responsibility. Uh, I've got to make this thing work. So that said, just from a practical level, what types of burdens? can we, and perhaps should we, take on in this conversation? Um, Setting aside whether we have to or not. So we both agree that we don't have to. But then again, we don't have to be in the conversation. Exactly. So if we are going to be in the conversation, um, how can we we make it a little bit better? And I I have tried to take on... um, a number of different types of burdens over the course of the show. And one of the, mm-hmm. one of the criticisms that I know that some people have is that, you know, I grant the Christian too much uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, maybe attempt uh, too much more than I have to more than, more than can be actually proven. I agree with all of that, <laughs> but the reason I do it is for the sake of the conversation, because if I didn't, we wouldn't be able to talk about that issue. Right. Um, and I, 
I think it, I think then it's important to make sure that the conversation is framed right. You 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 say what you're agreeing to at the outset for argument's sake. Um, you know, for what what it encapsulates, what the debate's going to be about, what you're granting just for the sake of argument, not necessarily something you believe personally. Because I, th- I think there was one show in particular in the past where you granted like the Christian God exists, and it was a de- it, it was a debate about morality, and they were like checkmate atheist. If Christian God exists, morality's mine. You lose. And and there was no conversation because it was literally just ha ha, you lose. Ha ha, you lose. Right. Yeah, I get into I, I, that happens. <laughs> so I, I recognized it at the time, but you know what are you gonna do? Right. <laughs> one one place I think you've done well framing this because I think this is a good conversation to have is is separating the you know the Christian wants to combine God exists and you should worship Him. Mm-hmm. You can you can accept both of those. You can accept neither of them, and you could accept one and not the other. So so. You know, it's good to tease these issues out, right? Let me grant you that God exists. Now convince me I should worship him. They don't necessarily go one-to-one hand-in-hand, and you can have a conversation about whether the God is worthy of worship. But that's when they'll pull out the, well, if you're granting me he exists, then, well, then he's perfect, and he knows all the good things, so right. you should, you have to worship him, right? But, Jack you know, exactly. So, so that's why it's important to, to, to be explicit about what exactly is being granted and what's not, so that you can tease out the individual topics to debate. Right. So what can we grant? Um, This is always a tough question for me because I don't believe any part of the Christian story. Right. Um, In fact, I'm, it's worse than that. Um, I'm a mythicist. Now I'm Mm -hmm. a, I'm an unwilling mythicist. Right. I, I don't want to be a mythicist. I spent my life believing that Jesus was a real person. I would feel kind of silly, uh, if it turns out he's not a real person, I spent my life believing that. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that um, many scholars, such as um, uh, Bart Ehrman, uh, you know, and I like Bart Ehrman a lot. Uh, I owe Bart Ehrman a lot of my turning away from faith, uh, actually, mm-hmm. uh, reading, reading his work and studying textual criticism. But uh, I think Bart Ehrman is wrong, um, I think that it's not just that he's wrong. People have different sides of the argument. I think he has bad reasons for believing that uh, Jesus exists. Now, Jesus Absolutely. might exist. He might right. exist. But I think Arabin's reasons are not good. Um, and I think that part of, the re- part of why he believes that Jesus exists is because he's, he's a New Testament scholar. <laughs> if, right. if Jesus doesn't exist, Arabin's life work is stupid. <laughs> You know, it's not just a waste of time. It's just stupid. And there's, I mean, where do you go from there? You're an expert in a person who doesn't exist. Um, what do you do for an encore? I think, I think, um, <laughs> I think it's really hard uh, for New Testament scholars to uh, think about Jesus in terms of not existing. And so I don't, you know, I'm trying to be as charitable uh, to them as possible because I don't think that they're stupid people. Um, but you know, I am a mythicist and I don't believe that Jesus exists. It is, it is hard for me to grant the simplest part of the conversation that Jesus exists. Now, all of my argumentation, all of my writing, unless I'm particularly arguing mythicism, which I seldom ever do, Mm -hmm. assumes that not only is Jesus a real person, but that the the new Testament is more or less an accurate account of the things he said. 
Right. I, Which I, is dubious at best, right? It, yes. I, right. Even if I believed – well, let me go back. Even when yeah. I believed Jesus existed, mm-hmm. but after I stopped believing he was God, I still believed that the New Testament was more or less an accurate account of the things that he said. Right. <laughs> right? So um, – but – I stopped believing that was one of the first things I stopped uh, believing that the New Testament was accurately transmitting his his words um, and uh, it just became harder and harder to grant this as an atheist that somehow the stuff that we're talking about that this Jesus a that he's real and b that the the stuff we think we know about him is is stuff that we actually know about him i I don't believe right. it I don't believe that- it, and yet I grant it all the time right. In order to get you got in order to get on onto the onto the playing field, you've got to you've got to do that to have right. that conversation. Right, that's the that's the minimum buy-in for me. Um, right, and it and it's hard. Uh, I, I will just tell you every week uh, when I do this, it's hard because I, there's a whole list of things that I have granted for the sake of the conversation. Right, and and what it, what it inevitably happens to you from an ego standpoint is, is say you have that conversation, you grant a bunch of stuff. And then you realize that, oh, given these grants, I'm actually kind of losing the conversation. You, you want to retreat back to, oh, well, I'm not, I'm giving up the grants. The grants are gone. I'm pulling them off the table. Right, right. Because it's, you want to, you want to be, you want to be right at the end of the day. Exactly. So, you know, it's you're, like you're, playing you're, chess yeah. at a, a level, you're, you know, you're an 1800 and you're playing a 1300. And so you, right. you grant them an extra piece. You know, you maybe take away a rook of yours right. when you play without a rook or you play without a rook and a queen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, well, as the conversation goes on, you maybe realize I've given up too much. <laughs> right. Give, give, give me back my queen. <laughs> I could have used that rook right about now. <laughs> right. So that's, that's actually how I feel all the time uh, yeah. in the conversation. I, and I suspect that the Christian doesn't feel uh, like I've granted enough. But I would encourage, actually, other skeptics in this conversation, um, you should at least try the exercise of granting more. If, yeah. you, if you want to have a better conversation and, you know, make, say up front and make clear, as, as you've said, what it is you're granting and for, you know, maybe a temporary period of time, um, I'm, I, I'm granting this, I'm granting A so I can talk about B. Right. Uh, but we, I, I think we have to, I think we have no choice. Right. Uh, but to pretend to believe things that we don't believe, to talk as if we believe things that we don't believe so that mm-hmm. we can talk at all. Right. I think one of the issues that we bump into is it's, it's a, it's, it's the overarching way we think about these things, right? Like I can, you say you gave me a 10 point argument where it was, it was literally linear. Like, you know, if a, then B, if B, then C, if C, then D, et cetera. And you get to F or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. I can grant you every single line of that syllogism, right? I can grant you that it's more likely than not that A A than B. It's more likely than not than B than C on the way down the line. However, once you get to F and you realize that they're all dependent variables, I would still be justified in believing not F. Because even though I granted every single line up to that point, the structure of the argument leads you to where the odds that F is true is less than 50%. But when a, when a Christian does a syllogism, particularly William Blake Craig does this, he'll say stuff like, you know, I think all these lines of my argument are more, are more likely true than not, so therefore my conclusion is true. But it doesn't follow mm-hmm. if, they're, if, it's, if it's a dependent chain. You know, if, 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 I, if I flip a coin and get heads, I'll pick, 
this restaurant. And once I get to the restaurant, I'll flip a coin and decide whether to get a hamburger or a cheeseburger. You're all ready to where you, you, you were not justified in believing whether I'm going to have a hamburger or a cheeseburger because of the nature of the argument. Yeah. But the Christian wants to say, once you tell me it's more likely true than not, it's a hundred percent. It's locked in. So, and that's, that, that's the error. We can't grant that. Uh, right. I, th- this, this, the idea of um, a percentage-based faith, um, the, uh, probability-based faith, mm-hmm. I actually I can't buy that in in religion. I can I can buy that in other areas of my life. This thing is more likely tr- true truer than the other proposition. So I'm going right. to go with this proposition. The, I can the reason the, re- the reason I leave my house in any given day is because it's more likely than not that I'm not going to get hit with a boulder on my head or something. Right. right? I mean, we, we, that's how we move through the world. Right. So I, so I, I recognize, um, prob- probability, uh, as a, as a thing, as a way we move through the, the environment. I don't recognize it as a religious argument though. Uh, mm. and I don't know if, this becomes one of those barriers of conversation for me. Uh, I think it does. Because faith is not exactly that. It's, it's not a measurement of the probabilities. Um, what secularists do is a measurement of the probabilities. What, mm-hmm. what Christians do is uh, belief despite the probabilities. Um, right. And so it's, you don't believe that Jesus rose because it's more probable that he rose. You right. believe that Jesus rose because the Bible said so, and mm-hmm. it does not matter whether it is probable or, or not probable. You, it's, it's so I've said this before, but I think that Ken Ham uh, really is a better um, better defines what what I think of Christian faith than most new apologists because Ken Ham he's not a stupid man okay it, it's right. not it's not mm-hmm. that he does not know that there's uh, evidence showing an old earth and and evolution he understands right. that he probably knows that stuff better than than you and I but he believes the young earth creation story because that's the story uh, of, of the Bible as he understands it. And so right. that's the one that has to be true for him. It's, so he doesn't believe it because he thinks probabilistically that's the most likely thing. He, he believes it despite uh, the fact that it is unlikely. Um, right. And I think that that's faith. And so when, when Christians, uh, you know, evidentialists like uh, Gary Habermas or like uh, Mike Lacona uh, mm-hmm. start talking about the, the probabilities, I can't grant that, you know, if, if that seems more probable than not, that that's a good idea. And so I never, I never want to enter the conversation of probability. Right. Um, because I, I don't, I don't think that has, that has nothing to do with the subject to me especially when the probabilities are subjective, right? Like we're talking about rolling a die. The probabilities are fixed. We know what the odds are of any given roll is because we, we have the whole of the die in front of us. If we're talking about history or if we're talking about 
you know, the nature of the universe, we don't even have the, the entire space defined. So we can't really get down to a, a granular probability. It's all just kind of, you know, wild ass hand waving at it. Well, and to me, all talk of probability with regard to religion is wild ass hand waving. So if right. you, uh, taking that example again of the resurrection, yeah. um, what is the probability that a resurrection could happen? Now, let's say it did happen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, right. and, you know, we can't prove it, but let's just say it happened. Um, how do you figure out the probability? It's one in what? Right. What's the what's the denominator? How do you get the denominator? Right. There's there's no way to do it. If you're if you're saying, well, it is the number of people who have ever been alive on in, on Earth, and so mm. I don't know what that number is. So let's say twelve billion. Um, right. Is it, is it's, it that it's, high? It's well, what is there seven or eight billion currently? It's about seven so, billion I mean, currently. Yeah, and we've so had a lot of population explosion for over the last few centuries. So it's not like it's right. always been that. Um, it's probably going to be double at most. It's not going to be. Yeah, I'm yeah. just guessing. So let's, we're just estimating. Let's call it twelve billion. So if there are twelve okay. billion uh, modern humans who have ever lived, and one was raised, that would, the odds would be one in twelve billion. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Those are bad odds. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if we're if we're just doing the probabilities, that doesn't work. That I ha- I am justified to not believe it. <laughs> it's, exactly. It seems to me. So, but that's not the part they want to focus on. They're they're saying this this one man in this one place with this one mission and this one deity's motives, and you can't put a probability on any of that stuff because it's all it's pulled out of nowhere. Right. I don't, I don't know how we would measure probably, by the way, I don't think the number of people on earth is a good denominator anyway. So right. if I were, uh, I think the denominator is probably just the number of events that have happened in the universe. And by event, I mean anything that has ever happened. Uh, right. I took a breath just now. That's an event. I exhaled. That's another event. <laughs> I'm I'm talking right. to you right now with this sentence. That's an event. I'm going to eat some food sometime today. That's an event. So if you if you look at it that way, the number mm-hmm. of events in the universe are uncountable. <laughs> right. Um, they are. So the- you know we're Google zillions. You know they're. Un- <laughs> so what are the chances out of the Google zillions of uh, of a resurrection happening? And if we say that it happened once, well, that's the odds are are terrible. <laughs> I, have, right. I have good reason to believe, uh, or at least to say that, yeah, it probably didn't happen. So I'm good with that. And yet there are other things uh, in life where we can say, well, you know, maybe maybe there was a man named Jesus. There were lots of people named Jesus back then. That's uh, pretty pretty good odds. And mm-hmm. one of the, you know, there were lots of messiahs. We know of at least one or two Jesuses who were considered messiahs around that time. And so some of them may have said, I am from God. Some of them may have said, I am God. Th- those odds, odds aren't that high either. And so I would say, yeah, okay. Uh, I don't, even though I don't believe it in this particular case, it could have happened. But what is, see, if we're just faith by percentages, I don't, I don't know how we ever get to Jesus Rose. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so either, which is why once we go down this path and then you lead to this conclusion, it becomes about religious context or these other other ways of knowing, you know, the, the mystical black box. Right, of, but when, you know, everybody, when practically everybody in the world, uh, especially at that world, in that region, is religious, you know, in one right. form or another, 
every event has a religious context. Right. Exactly. So yeah, that, they don't want to. They don't help. want to acknowledge that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So at any rate, yeah. Th- so that's that's one of the areas that I can't grant um, even out yeah. of conversational charity when when people start talking about probability and uh, you know evidences for Christianity. The other another thing that I find hard to grant is the, the ph- philosophical Christianity. Any part of that? Because here's the mm-hmm. problem: I'm not a philosopher. Uh, right. You only need to talk to me for a short period of time to come to that <laughs> conclusion yourself. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and, and so it's easy for me to lose an argument about philosophy. Mm-hmm. I, I've lost most arguments about philosophy and didn't even know it because I didn't, I didn't fully grasp the, <laughs> the thing being argued. So okay, right. you can beat me uh, there. I can never really grant seriously that your philosophical argument is some kind of proof for a god, because I don't, I don't even understand the medium we're swimming in. <laughs> so, exactly. um, I can't, I can't grant that. And uh, someone like Dale, bless him, this is not uh, to, uh, the beat Dale up uh, hour, but Dale's entire Christianity was philosophical. Um, yep. So I'm, I'm always kind of swimming upstream with that, and that I can't be as conversationally charitable as I'd like to be, because. I can't grant his premises because I right. don't, I don't understand that world. I don't get. I don't know what I'm. I don't know what I'm granting. <laughs> so the uh, the big the biggest problem I have with the philosophical argumentation, and again, if you stay inside of those guardrails, you can make you can make it work. But then they hand wave away the most important part, which is the this entire argument is conceptual in nature. Now let's jump to the real, and they don't. They're like, well, no, I already did. I already did. God is, exists. He's real because I just did it in this conceptual philosophical argument. But that bridge, you know, that bridge still needs to be demonstrated to get to there is a God in the real world somewhere. And they don't want to go there. They think they've already done all the heavy lifting and you know can shake their hands uh, free of the dust and say they've finished. But that, but making you know, I can I can probably make a philosophical argument about anything existing. But that doesn't mean it actually exists. There's now a, a next step that needs to happen that they they don't want to do. So let me let me end with this. Uh, I'm going to invite you back to talk about a thing that uh, I, I think about a lot. I write about uh, at least once a year, and it's probably probably about time for me to revisit the subject. Um, what happens if we move the conversation past where it is and see if we can find a place where the conversation becomes interesting again, which is if there is a God then what? Mm. So, granting, granting God, um, does that really, does that move the needle? I'm Interesting. Not, I'm not sure that it does. Yeah. Because it's pretty, it's a pretty basic grant, and, and there's still a lot of heavy lifting to be done after that. Right. But now, I have, uh, I have listened to uh, many atheists say yeah if you could prove there's a god then i'd be a christian well that uh that's not true for me <laughs> no nope. well, there's a lot of steps in the middle there if you if you prove there's a god then i'm a goddess i understand <laughs> i believe there's that's what i am now what okay is he a jerk is he good is he here is he gone is he you know interested or not i mean there's it, there's an infinite number of, of toggle switches after that so for for the sake of advancing the capital c conversation i the next time we visit together, 
mm-hmm. I would like to visit that topic. Um, two atheists grant there's a God. Now what? I like that framework. I think that could work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to hate every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be kicking and screaming. We'll hear it in your voice. It'll be, you know, the most painful hour and a half ever recorded in podcast. Yes. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to pretend to be a Christian or pretend that I actually, I'm just granting it for the conversation to see if, if there is a next step to the conversation. Yes, I'll, I promise I'll be more charitable than some of your interlocutors that have okay. hung you out to, to dry with the checkmate. So okay. I'm, I'm, I'm with, I'll be with you there. I'll, I'll hold your hand through this process. Dave. Excellent, we'll excellent. I'm going to need it. <laughs> all right, uh, all right, Brian, with a why not uh, the lay skeptic everyone thought you were. Um, we'll do this again real soon. Sorry that uh, we didn't uh, get Andrew in on this, but uh, I suspect that Andrew will be doing a podcast of his own before long. And I'll, uh, um, if, if it's okay, I'll pass along, um, your email to him so that you guys can talk. I, I think that, uh, you guys would enjoy talking to each other. Your minds think similarly. Yeah, that would be great. I, I, I've listened to him and listened to both of you and uh, I really love chatting with him too. That would be great. All right. Good enough. So, uh, everybody, uh, next week, sister Sarah, or should I say Sarah, the slayer, Sister Sarah the Slayer versus Teddy the Bear. I don't even know what they're going to talk about. I don't care. (laughs) It's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Go get them, girls. All right. Bye-bye, everybody.